because one of the things he, he does, he challenges the myth. He says, with a contemporary understanding of how the universe came into being, knowing something about the universe, of the laws that govern life. Now, my, my question to him is this. If you have identified the laws that govern life, who is the lawgiver of that? Who sustains those laws? For he says those laws are immutable. You went over that word a little bit in Sunday school. And if those laws are immutable, if those laws cannot change, who set them laws in place? So we have to argue a little bit about this in thought as I read it. Then he goes on down, he says, I have launched recently with a young man, a stranger who had contacted me because of an interest in one of my books. He had been raised in a deeply religious family and was working on a doctrine in philosophy at the University of Toronto. And in the midst of the meal, he leaned across the table and with a touch of impatience in his voice asked, how can anyone at this point in history get down on his knees and presume to ask the God of the universe to intervene personally on his behalf. To do what? He, the guy doing the praying, wants. How can you even presume to ask God to do something here on your behalf? If there is no God, he's 100% right. But there is no God. But because we believe in a living God, we ask. We ask with the desire of God answering us. And we believe God answers us. And that whole process of him not believing leaves him out of even asking God. See, we may have to be like the woman with the judge who kept bothering that judge until that judge woke up and heeded her demands. And we may have to bombard heaven. We may have to worry God until we get an answer. Amen? So don't stop praying. Father, we just want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for watching over us and keeping us from day to day. And we want to thank you for shielding us with the blood of Christ. And I pray, Father, for every one of our members, those here, those who are not here, that, Lord, you would cover them with the blood of Christ.
You would cleanse them, Lord, from any defilement. You would be the God that protects them. You would be the God that oversees them at this time. And you would order their going out and their coming in. And Lord, you would bless them in their going out and their coming in. And Father, we just pray for each one of them. We pray for ourselves that we would be the people who you have called that we would be the Good Samaritan in this day and in, and in this time. We would not be a people who walk by. I thank you for those women who are sewing those mouthpieces, those shields. I thank you, Lord, for those who are doing things that normally they would not do to help out. Lord, you're showing us as a country we still need one another. But most of all, Lord, you're showing us how great our need is for thee. For our technology can't keep up. Our medical field almost at a loss. And therefore, Lord, we call upon the one who is more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. We ask that you intervene. Give our governor wisdom. Give our president much wisdom and knowledge at this time. Give our Congress, oh God, give them wisdom, discernment. And Lord, direct them, I pray. Even when they don't know they're being directed by you, direct them, Lord. And Father, Would you protect the people, not just here in the United States, but we are all your creation. Would you protect us? Would you encourage us? Would you minister to us? And Lord, we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord till I die. I will trust in the Lord I will trust in the Lord I will trust in the Lord till I die here's the second thing going to do I'm going to treat everybody right I'm going to treat everybody right. I'm going to treat until I die. I'm going to
stay on the battlefield until I die. I'm going to stay on the battlefield. I'm going to stay on the battlefield. I'm going to stay on the battlefield until I die. The last and the fourth thing. I'm going to stay on a bended knees. I'm going to stay on a bended knees. I'm going to stay on a bended knees till I die. I'm going to stay on a bended knees. I'm going to stay on bended knees. I'm going to stay on my bended knees until I die. I'm going to stay on my bended knees. Talking with my Jesus night and day. I'm going to stay on my bended knees, listening to my Lord. I'm going to stay on my bended knees, hearing him say to his child, it's all right, uh, it's all right. It's all right. Amen? Is it going to be all right? Yes, it is. It's going to be that. You know, I had to go into my books and find my African-American heritage hymnal to pull that one out because a lot of the new ones don't have it in there. But it's going to be all right. And this morning, what I want to do is, if I can, is just encourage you some. Three o'clock this morning, because I was ready to go. Because my series is supposed to be on salvation. And, and I was ready to show you guys where, yeah, the Gentiles were included in that too. It's just not Israel just chosen without... Gentiles being hooked, but we're going to get there, you know. And then 3 o'clock this morning, I'm up writing and so forth, and Elaine wakes up because I'm right there in the bedroom, and I'm just writing down and and going through Scripture, and she said, what are you doing? I said, the Lord then made a detour here. (laughs) To be encouraged. Be encouraged with the understanding that this too this too shall pass it's not here forever it's going to pass the question is why you go through a trial 
while you're going through difficulties, how do we act as Christians? Boy, that's difficult sometimes to answer. From the human side, we get fretful. Because we can't answer the question, why does God allow earthquakes? Why does God allow a tsunami that kills over 150,000 people? Why does God allow diseases to take place? One of the things about traveling, when you travel to India, you see diseases you haven't even heard of over here. You see things you haven't even seen over here. When you go to Colombia, and you ride in the countryside, and you see just one little hut that maybe eight, nine people are living in. Not rooms, just one. No running water. No bathroom. No refrigerator. And you see people carrying water four or five miles to their home. So as you go down the road in the bus, you see women with sits with big pails of water on both sides carrying it on their shoulders. Or you see men carrying five-gallon buckets of water along the road. Maybe it is time for America to see a little something. That other people have been suffering through for some time. Would you go with me because in Matthew 6, he's going to share a little something with us, 6 and, and verse 25 and through 27. And oftentimes we kind of forget these and what I want to do is just kind of like remind us because when we start to worry and we get fretful. When we get fretful and fearful, we forget who we are. And we forget who we belong to. And then we struggle with the issue. Is my God able? Is my God able? God is more than able. Therefore, he tells us in that verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Now, look what he's going to tell us not to worry about. Do not worry about your life. If your life is not hid in Christ, then worry. But if your life is hid in Jesus, he's your shield, he's your buckler. He's your doctor. He's your defense. My doctor made me take the flu shot every year. 
Now, Faith can't take it. She gets sick behind it. But he makes sure I get it every year because of my immune system that is very weak. Make sure I get my pneumonia shot. He makes sure I have everything I'm supposed to have. And sometimes I have to remind him, boy, I'm so glad God gave you to me that you could take care of me. But every now and then I wonder who takes care of you. My God does. <laughs> My God does. He takes care of us. And he says, don't worry about your life. One person puts it this way. Could you add one more step to your life if it was not God's will? <laughs> if God says this is your last step, guess what? You won't get another. So he says, don't worry about your life. He said, now, he's not saying don't be concerned about it. Because we ought to be concerned. Because he tells us to be aware of the things around us. To be alert. But I don't worry about it so much that it freezes me or stops me from trusting him. And he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. He tells us later on in Matthew, huh? he tells us, boy, don't worry about your body. If somebody can kill your body, worry about if somebody can do something with the soul. Don't worry about the one who can hurt the body. Why? Everybody's body in here is doing what? Dying. The scripture says it's fading away. And he simply says, don't worry about it. And we see a world today that is what? Worried about life. Worried about it. Fearful about it. Not understanding this too shall pass. I don't know if some of you are old enough when you remember they were giving polio shots in grade school. I was telling some kids about that. When I went to gr in school, in, in grade school, uh, you had to get your polio shot. Everybody had to get them and they had them big old guns then, and, and boy, they hurt. Them needles were good side needles. You had to get that polio shot. Then you had to get this shot. And at that time, they used to have a nurse at school. Man can do all that he desires to do. But the real reality is this. Unless God protects us, we're not protected. And he says, is not life more important than food and body more important than clothes? Look at the birds. He gives us an illustration. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. 
and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. If he takes care of them, will now you take care of, of us? Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Boy. Not saying don't be concerned, but don't be so worried and so tied up with this thing that you can't function. And they're saying this may go on till July, August. Well, people can't stay in their houses till July and August. They will go stare crazy. After being so long in the hospital, I think my third week in the hospital, I decided to take a walk off the floor. And they started looking for me because I wasn't in my room. And they caught me downstairs in the lobby getting ready to go outside. And the nurse said, what are you doing down here? Why are you down here? She said, I said, I just want to see the sky. (laughs) I just want to see the sky. And people are starting to gather outside, keeping their distance. People are taking walks in the park. People are doing different things. But this is a good time when you're at home. Hey, let's study the name of so-and-so. Hey, let's study this part of scripture. Sit down and and challenge yourself with each other. How much Bible do you know? (laughs) What do you know? Now, what do you understand about God? It's a good time to just have family discussion about godly things. And it's a good time to just take a walk together. You can just walk to the end of the block and back. And the whole process is that we're able to just move. Go over to Philippians now. Did we change it? Yep. Philippians 4. Because God tells us not to be anxious. Not to be in such a way that, boy, I got to have all the toilet paper in the world to feel safe. My wife and I were watching news last night and they found this truck that somehow was hijacked, trailer was stolen, but it was loaded with toilet paper. Now if I'm going to steal something, it's not going to be toilet paper. But he tells us in Philippians chapter 4 and verses 6 and 7, he simply says to us again, Do not be anxious about anything. And that word anxious in the King James uses the word nothing. It means self-centered. Self-centered. Well, you're only caring about who? You. And when you see people in the store fighting, that's self-centeredness. That's just caring about I'm getting what I have need of, even if I have to hurt you. And he says that they get caught up in the self-centeredness. Let's not get caught up in the self-centeredness. I understand my daughter got an email early this morning that the daycare will be one of the designated spots 
that the governor or the state will use for daycare for people who have to go to work and have a place to leave their kids. Uh, she's been designated as one of those daycares that they will use. And the other day I asked all the workers over here, I said, can we take a moment to pray? I said, don't matter if you believe or if you don't believe. We just want to pray. And we all gathered and we prayed. Some held hands, some of us hooked elbow to elbow. But we prayed, asking God to protect them, protect this place, to minister through it, use them. And they've all agreed to work in a designated place. That's God at work. And he says, don't just think about yourself. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. That you're praying about it. You're seeking God. You don't go off and do foolish things, no. But you really do pray. Like I said last week, somebody called this week and they said, Pastor, we didn't, we, I need a thermometer. I need to be able to take my temperature. Do you have one? And Elaine, we just ordered a couple extra ones through our little health thing that we get. And we had a brand new one still in the box and everything. And I told her, you can have it. And she said, I'm going to send my child right over to get it. And kept our distance and I kind of threw in the box. Because I didn't know exactly what's going on in the house. Don't know how it may have affected him. So we kept a distance and took the box and just tossed it to him. We still see about each other. We still care for each other. We still minister to each other. And the point is, he says, everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Look at the invitation. Present your request. Have you made it a request to God that he protects your family? Have you made a request to God that he protects you? Have you made a request known to God to work on your behalf? And the people of God which transcends all understanding and the peace of God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's the difference with people who know the Lord. Things shouldn't upset us. Things shouldn't frighten us. Things shouldn't cause us to act indifferent of what we should act according to the manner which God has stated our behavior should be. Why? And the peace of God, which transcends all what? Understanding. When I lean on my own understanding, I won't do the thing God wants me to do. I'll do the thing that I think is good for me, safe for me, comfortable for me. 
So when God gives me a piece to step into something, he's already covered me. He's already fortified me. That's why he says, first, before you do what? Pray. And he'll give you a peace when he gives you understanding and wisdom of how to function, how to act. Going over the old enough, they no longer want to ask. They just sense they've grown enough to make their what? And they just want to do. But it's a humbling effect for a 16, 17 year old to come and ask mom or dad if they can still what? Because at that point, they see themselves big enough to do what? Make their own decision. Do what they want to do. And more than anything, sometimes, at 16, 17, they want to tell you what they're going to do rather than what? Ask you if they can do it. And we become like children. We want to tell God what to do rather than ask him if we can do it. And it's a humbling effect to humble ourselves. And ask God and seek him. And we'll see that in a minute. He says, humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your what? All your cares. Not just the easy ones, just not the ones you think he can handle. But even those difficult ones. Even those things that you see as impossible. He is the God of impossible. For there's nothing impossible with God. And he says, ask. But he says, humble yourself though. And sometimes it takes a humbling experience to bring us to a place where we will ask. And maybe he's bringing our nation to a humbling experience. That with all our knowledge and all our intellect and all of our science and all of our money, 
boy, he slipped something in under the radar that's breaking us. That we might humble before him. And we might cast all our anxiety upon him. Why? Because he really does cares for us. God cares for you. He cares for your loved one. He cares. The question we can't ask is why? Why me? Why me? Why do I got to suffer? Why do I got to go through this? Why is this happening to me or my family? Now let me ask you this. Would you want to wish it on somebody else? So why not you? And the scripture tells us this. God would not put more upon us than what? We can bear. Hebrews 4.16. Let's go back of two books, James and the Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14, 16. You have to have confidence in God. If you lose confidence in God, Satan's going to beat you up. If you lose confidence in God, your fears will begin to control you. If you lose confidence in God, you're going to listen to the counseling of everybody else rather than that of the Lord. And he wants you to hear him. He wants you to be able to come to him and ask with confidence. And he wants you to be the one who can seek his face and know with full assurance that he will answer you. He says, it still remains that some will enter the rest and those who formerly, oh, I'm in chapter, yeah. It still remains to, that some will enter the rest and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day calling it today when a long day left. He spoke through David as was said before. And the whole process is that do we have confidence? Coming to verse 16. Let me get down in it. Let us then approach the throne of what? Grace. It still remained that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not. Do you know the word of God in such a way that you can enter into his rest and rest in him? Rest in his word? Believe his word? Trust his word? And he says, let us then approach the throne of grace with what? Confidence. 
let us approach it with confidence. Not like those who didn't enter into his rest. Not like those who didn't have confidence in him. But let us approach him with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace, now listen to this, to help us in our time of need. I have confidence when I call upon God in my time of need. He's going to answer. He's going to meet me. He's going to be there. He's going to direct me. I have confidence in him. To lose confidence in him means the only thing I can do is trust in man. And his word tells me, lean not on my own understanding. And he tells me to trust no man, but to trust him. To trust him. Psalms 55, 22. Psalms 55, 22. Boy, this should be a comfort for all of us. And if you take it to heart and live it, it will be a comfort to you. And it will help you even in these days. 55 and verse 22. Cast your cares on the Lord. What is your concern? What are you caring about? What are you troubled about? Do what? Some people are going to be worried, how do I pay rent? Some people are going to worry about, when do I go back to work? Some people are going to worry about this, and some people are going to worry about that. I have a letter from our superintendent for they forego our paying, in a sense, part of our money that we should pay to the district office, that he uh, forgoed that for two months because he already know a lot of churches are going to lose finances. So they're trying to cushion this thing. They At the district office, they've stopped paying four positions. The people will continue to work but they will not get paid for it, which will save $150,000 for those four positions. Everybody's cutting back some. But see, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging for bread. Do I believe that? Can I trust that? And when I trust that, I can go to work every day just like I was going when I was getting paid. And those four individuals will go to work every day at the district or continue to work knowing they're not going to get paid for what they do. But they're going to do it. That's a blessing. That's God's work. And he says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will what? Now listen what he's going to do. Underline this word. I'm going to sustain you. I'm going to sustain you. I'm going to keep you. Do you have the confidence that your God is able to keep you? And he says, he will sustain you. And he will never let the righteous fall. He won't do it. 
And I'm going to close out with Second Chronicles. And good thing the Lord kept this from me last last week, cause he just boy. Out there on our signs is that verse. Because what it is saying, Lord, and this is the humbling effect. Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, I, I, I don't know what to do. Our governors don't know what to do. Um, as I listened to Governor DeWine, like he said, he's going to shut down all elderly care. But he said, now, would that keep a nurse from going in because she got to see about her dad or her mom at home and don't have a place to put her? Uh, does this stop somebody who works in a nursing home who cleans and works with patients? They can't get daycare, and therefore they can't go to work. Uh, he says, we don't know really what to do here. Somehow we got to see what the numbers roll out to be. You want everything wiped down. You want everything clean. Well, who's going to do that? You want your doctors and nurses in the hospital, and they're already overtaxed. Well, who's going to be there? Because I'm first going to see about my child. I'm first going to see about my mom or dad. I'm first going to... What's going to happen? Man right now doesn't know what to do. We don't have enough tests. This gentleman was on there saying today about masks. He said, they're on their way, they're on their way, they're being shipped. And the newscast was saying, when were they shipped? How many were shipped? He couldn't give any numbers. And she kept going back. To, we don't know what to do. Now, I want you to catch this verse. And I want you to hear the answer. Pick up with me in verse 9. 2 Chronicles 20. 2 Chronicles 20. If calamity comes upon us. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 9. If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword or judgment or plague or famine. Listen to one of the reactions. We will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name. If this stuff comes, David said, I understood it all when I went into the house of the Lord. And then come out, he said, I rejoice that I went in. How many of y'all understand that it's still the day that the Lord has made? And we will what? Rejoice. Even in this day, even in this type of a day, I will rejoice. Why? It's still the day that the Lord has made. And we need to be aware of that. And he says, we will stand in your presence before this temple 
that bears your name and will cry out to you in our what? In our distress. What is he saying his people should do? Stand there before that temple and they're going to what? Cry out. Lord, I need help. Lord, we need help. Lord, will you help us? They're going to cry out because of what's taking place. The plagues, the famine, the sword, whatever it is. Lord, this is where we'll be. And we'll cry out. And you will hear us and save us. There's the confidence. You will hear us and save us. But if you don't have the confidence God will hear you or save you or interact on your behalf, you won't cry out. But in the crying out, you're humbling yourself. In the crying out, you're saying, Lord, help us. Look at verse 10. And now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possessions you gave us as an inheritance? And they got this large army coming. They got all these things that might take place. And they said, Lord, We could have took care of these folks back here. But you said not to. Now look what they're doing to us. And then he says in verse 12, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power. We have what? No power. No power. We don't have the strength. We don't have the capability. We don't have the intelligence, the know-how. We don't know how to stand against them, to stand against this thing. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. Now look. Look at the conclusion that they come to. Because this is where we are. We do not know what to do. See that confession? See that humbling? I don't know what to do. I don't know, Lord, how to feed my family right now. Lord, I'm not working. I don't know how I'm going to pay this or that. Lord, I don't know. And right now, people are in that predicament that they don't know because we can't see far enough down the road. And we are a people who usually like to plan and we like to be able to know and we like to have some control of our lives. And right now, we don't have that. And we really don't know what to do, so we have become more responders to whatever government or whatever the 
doctors or whatever is saying. We're, we're becoming more responders to what's being said because we don't know what to do. Hear their answer. And this is a difficult answer because it is a thing of faith. Very similar to what Hebrews 12 says. Keep your eyes on who? Jesus. Why? He's the author and what? Finisher of your faith. But keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. Look at what they said. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are upon who? You. We don't know what to do. Remember what I said earlier before I started? We're seeing something take place in history we've never seen before. But I hope what we don't miss is this. Seeing God's hand at work. Keep your eyes on him. And see him at work. See him doing something that is beyond man's ability to do. See him allow someone discover what they would never thought was so simple to discover. But somebody points it out to him. God. See God do some miraculous things in people's lives that they're being healed. Yes, we've had these many deaths, but we haven't heard how many have gone through it and are living. What we haven't heard is the amazing stories that's going to come out of the hospital, Jim. What we haven't heard is how God reached into families and touched families. How many of you prayed for that family? They've already lost four members of their family. Another three of them are already in the hospital. And this is this one family that was about 19 of them all together. And they said, boy, we're just going to one funeral after another funeral. There is no protection outside of God himself. I am in Christ. And if you're not in Christ this morning, I beg of you to accept him as your Lord and Savior and get in him. For I move and have my being in him and him alone. Be encouraged. This too shall pass. Be encouraged. God is for you. God loves you. Be encouraged. And cast all your worries, your fears, your frustrations, your disappointments at this time. Cast them upon him. Give them to him. And don't allow your fears 
to overtake you. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Amen? Father, how we thank you and praise you, Lord, for watching over us, keeping us, encouraging us, building us up. And Lord, how thankful we are that you continue to direct us, O oh God, to look to you from which cometh our help. You alone and no one else is able to keep us. It is you and you alone that is able, O oh God, to handle every situation that comes before us. And I pray, Father, that you would give us the strength to be a good Samaritan. That, Lord, we can share with our neighbors. We can help our neighbors. We will not become so fearful, O oh God, that we cannot minister in this time. And that, Lord, yes, we need to be cautious of who we are around, who we touch. But, oh God, even as the Good Samaritan had to touch that individual, put him up on his donkey, his mule, and take him, Lord, let us not be so fearful, oh God, that when somebody really needs a touch from us, that, Lord, will touch them in the name of Jesus, believing that you're more than able. Again, Lord, give us wisdom. Give us knowledge. Give us discernment. Let us shine as stars during this time. Let us not be a people who hide. But, oh God, may we be a people who minister. And, Lord, we'll give you praise. We'll give you all the glory. Because, Lord, the God we serve is more than able to keep us in this day. This is still the day that you have made with all the trouble in it. But we shall rejoice. We shall rejoice because we know the one who controls the day and every situation and everything that takes place. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.